studying the book of Revelation, and uh, we are studying about the final victory and the last judgment. In fact, um, that's what we are seeing. What we are seeing is the final judgment. And when you are, when we are thinking about the final judgment, we should always think, we should remember the battle that has taken place. Uh, John has described the cosmic battle, that is the mega battle, the mother of all battles. He has described that battle, and now he is thinking, he is writing about the final judgment. So I want you, I want all of us to remember about this battle uh, that was in the previous verse. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night for ever and ever. <clears throat> this battle gives way to the final judgment. And that's what John is going to describe from verses 11 to 15. We saw verse 11 uh, last Wednesday. Uh, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. White throne, purity and power and it denotes God. What's interesting is the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. When we read um, apocalyptic literature, we should be very careful. We should not get into a literal uh, interpretation. Uh, we'll go wrong. Uh, just by reading this, this is what the Bible says. But we should understand what John is telling. John basically is telling there is no place for earth and sky. Basically, what he's telling is how dramatic is God's appearance as judge. God is seated on the throne and he's just describing it. He's describing about seeing the creator, uh, the lamp of God, and then he's, he's just describing that. And we should not literally say that uh, the earth and heaven, there's no place for earth and the heaven, the earth will be destroyed. Uh, th those are all uh, will be a wrong interpretation because when we come to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, when we come just after the six verses, when we come to the seventh verse, then we will read, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. So we should put all these verses together and try to interpret and understand. I know it's not going to be easy, uh, the very simplistic solution is to just to read and say that this earth will be destroyed and there'll be no earth. Then how will you say that, you know, when you read in the uh, Romans chapter 8, the earth, the earth is groaning. Uh, the created order is groaning. So how do you interpret? So when you are, when you are trying to interpret, we should put all these verses together and uh, we should uh, interpret. Basically what John is trying to say is no one can see God and live. Uh, 
nobody can see God in his glory and live because the very sight of God will banish creation. And that's his dramatic uh, language. Uh, because when we come to verses 22, in the chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, uh, verses 4 and 5, we'll see, they will see his face. We have seen in Exodus, nobody can see his face and live. And in Revelation chapter 22, we will see they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. So we have to put everything together and we should try to understand. Uh, that's what John is telling because in the new creation, his servants will see his face. One day we will get an opportunity to see God face to face. Uh, we go to the next verse. The, this verse we saw last uh, Wednesday. So we go to the next verse. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. If you recollect uh, last Wednesday, I said, what is meant by books were opened? Uh, any of you had some time to think about it? Uh, what is meant by books were opened? Is it lamp's book of life, Pastor? Yeah, there is a lamp uh, book of life, which we will see in this chapter, but it says books. If it is only a uh, book was opened, then we have no problem. Uh, it is a lamp book of life, but it says well, books were opened. If you read the Jewish uh, text, uh, the early Jewish text, if you read, they always refer to heavenly books of judgment, uh, talking about these books contain people's works and uh, it will be produced on the day of judgment. And uh, the Jewish people said that angels were continually writing down uh, people's sins. Uh, that's the way the Jewish people, they said. So the opening of the books meant that everything was about to be made known. There will be nothing that is secret. Uh, everything will be made known. Uh, in other words, the way John is describing the final judgment would be a public judgment. Uh, there is no way one can hide one's own shame. That's the way John is describing here. Now, the, the book of life, uh, we can see it in the Old Testament uh, because it appears in several places in the Old Testament, book of life. 
in Exodus 32, 32 to 33, Moses said, but please, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Uh, Moses is talking about one book. Uh, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. That is the Lord's reply. And we also have uh, a reference to the book of life in the book of Daniel. Daniel 12.1, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be uh, delivered. So uh, one book, there is no problem. It is there. Uh, we even have in the book of Malachi, it says, then those who fear the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. So this book of life uh, is there. Uh, it, is, it is there in the Old Testament. Uh, they, the Jewish people also, they believe that all would be judged according to their works. Works matter. Works not for salvation, but work uh, for rewarding. Uh, there'll be reward, different types of reward, and that'll be according to the works. Salvation is not according to the works. Salvation is by grace, by faith, but uh, reward will be according to works because even Psalm 62, 12, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. It, this psalmist never said you reward everyone same. You reward everyone according to what they have done. It matters. What we do in this world matters for eternity. That is the reason we need to be careful. And Bible is very clear about it. There are several passages, but I'll give you three different authors uh, in Proverbs, the wise man says, Proverbs 24, 12, uh, but if you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? God will repay everyone according to what we have done. He is a God of justice. A just God cannot just reward um, randomly. So there is something known as a book of merit. Uh, that's what we see in Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. Uh, whatever we do in the kingdom of God, it is all accounted for and God will reward us. Nothing will go 
uh, waste. Uh, even in Ezekiel 18.30, it says, Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. God also says when somebody repents or, uh, from uh, their former life will be canceled. In other words, their sinful works will be canceled. Uh, it will not be against the righteous. God wants people to repent. It is there right in the Old Testament itself. In Ezekiel 18, 21 to 22, it says, but if a wicked person turns away from all the sins, they've committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live, they will not die. None of the offenses they've committed will be remembered against them because of the righteous things they have done, they will live. Uh, it's about salvation. Uh, this is about the book of life. The earlier references is about the book of merit, the deeds that we do uh, according to those deeds, uh, God will uh, reward us. Now, when John is writing, he is so um, knowledgeable about the Old Testament uh, because he, he knows Daniel very well. He, it's a river of fire was flowing coming out from, from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Uh, 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Probably he's changed the river of fire as a lake of fire. The books were opened. John is basically using the Old Testament phraseology in the, uh, in the Revelation in the book of Revelation. So we come to the next verse, uh, that there are two books. One is the book of life. Uh, without the book of life, we cannot enter. And the book of merit, basically to reward each person according to the deeds uh, they have done in this world. We go to the next verse, that is verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done uh, as recorded in the books. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, this is the only place all, all will uh, appear. Um, you know, in the sense, all the dead person uh, without whether they are big, whether they are small, whether they are important, whether they are unimportant, educated, uneducated, all will appear. This is one place there will be no absentees. All will be present and nobody is exempted. All will uh, appear there. So John says the books were opened, as I said, there is a book of merit, and there is a book of life. Uh, books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So when we stand before God, uh, nothing is hidden. He knows what we have done. Uh, 
how we have lived, nothing is hidden from him. After all, he's God. And uh, the book is basically for our satisfaction to show us. And when God shows us, uh, none of us will be able to have an argument with him. Oh God, I think you have written wrongly because he knows the innermost thoughts. So everything will be naked. Uh, in Revelation 13.8, it says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose name, names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So it is important, the name is there in the Lamb's book of life. The book of life is called in the book of Revelation as the Lamb's book of life where there is no other name apart from the name of Jesus that we can be saved. So that book is the Lamb's book of life. In Revelation 21, next chapter, when we come, 27, it says, nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there are two kinds of book. One is the reward book, called, we can call it as book of merit, uh, according to our works, according to what we do in the kingdom of God. We have been saved to do good works. We have not been saved because of our good works. We have been saved to do good works. It is important. Uh, good deeds are important. We have been saved only for, to do good works, and those good works matter, matter. Wherever we are, it's not that only those who do ministry, they do good works, whether in your professional life, whether you're an IT professional, you're a teacher or is a manager, whatever it may be, whatever duty, whatever house, um, homemaker, whatever it is, whatever we do, we should do it unto the glory of God. And that is counted and that's counted. It is not that only if we do like this, God will count. No, every work that we do, um, in a day, we make hundreds of choices and we, we have become so accustomed uh, in making choices, we don't even realize we are making a choice. It has become part of our life. It is always good to just take a pause and just to ask ourselves, whether this choice brings glory to God. Am I doing it for myself? Am I doing it so that I be noticed? Uh, this is for my benefit? Is there selfishness? Or this choice will bring glory to God. It's good for us to uh, take stock of our decisions that we make every day. Every day we do this. So once in a while, just because many of the things have become automatic, it is all set. It's in the default mode. And we continue to do, we continue to speak like that. We speak uh, because nobody has corrected us. Nobody told us what you're speaking is not right. Uh, we think that's the way to do we think that's the way we get authority. Uh, it's good to see that whether 
This is the way Jesus would have spoken. Whether it brings glory to Jesus, it's good to think about these things. Uh, that's the way we bring glory to God. And that's the way we know that our deeds are also recorded uh, so that we can be rewarded. It's not wrong to do good deeds for the sake of rewards. Uh, it is not at all a bad motivation. We should have motivation to lead a good life, to lead a life that's pleasing to God. We should have that motivation. I want to have greater rewards in heaven than in this world. So how do I have greater rewards? You don't have to be rich to have greater rewards. It is how I make choices. Every choice I make, if there is no selfishness, if I love my God as supreme and I do my things, the way I use my time, the way I use my talents, the way I use my treasure, if everything brings glory to him and he is supreme, and because of that, I make the decision uh, that glorifies God. And that is a decision which earns reward for us. And it's important we collect rewards there. Jesus said, don't show treasure in a store your treasures in this world where moth they lead. Store your treasures in heaven. And if eternity is true, eternal life is true, it is, it, is, it, is, it is better that we store our treasures in heaven uh, rather than in this world. Uh, that's what we learn from these verses. We go to the next two verses, 13 and 14. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Now, what is meant by Hades? What is meant by Hades? What is meant by Hades? Hell? Okay, when we, you know, uh, we read English Bible and then even in other vernacular language, uh, we just classify heaven and hell uh, that's the way we understand. It's important that we um, understand from where they get the word Hades. Now, if we see the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. And in the Hebrew language, they ha had a word called Sheol. Now, when, this, when we see the word Sheol, is the Old Testament Hebrew word for the abode of the dead, the realm of the dead. When the dead people, uh, when people die, they go to Sheol. Uh, that's the way, that's the understanding they had 
And that was the word that was used in the Old Testament. And when this Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew language, when it was translated into Greek language, which we call as Septuagint, uh, because 70 scholars, they translated it. Since, so we, it's, it's known as Septuagint. So instead of the word Sheol, uh, when they translated, they translated the word Sheol as Hades. Um, so we had these references in the Old Testament, um, Sheol. If you see in Psalm 33, it says, you, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. That is the abode of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. That's the understanding they had. Jonah 2.2, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. If you read it in Hebrew language, it will be Sheol. If you read it in Greek language, it will be uh, Hades. From deep in the realm of, in the English Bible, you can read it as the realm of the dead. Maybe in some other versions, you will read hell. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. This is a, just a every place. All dead people are there. It is just quiet. They are there. No life. No life. Nothing interesting in that place. It's the realm of the dead. Nothing is happening there. That's the understanding uh, they had. Uh, now, the, this is the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, we find the word Hades. Um, that's again uh, the realm of the dead. It is found in 10 places in the New Testament. I'm not going to read the verses. If you want to, you can make note of these verses. In all these 10 places, we find the word Hades. And uh, that's what we see, death and Hades. And again, in verse 14, also death and Hades. That's Revelation 20, 13, and 14. We have in 118, 68, death and Hades. Now, Hades is a term that comes from Greek mythology. Uh, Hades is the queen who was made in charge. She was the daughter of Zeus, who was made in charge of the dead. And from that's where they take the term Hades, and they've used it to talk about it is the realm of the dead. Now, there are, uh, there are four words in the Bible. That's one is Sheol, which is translated as Hades in the Greek language. Otherwise, in the Hebrew Bible, it is called Sheol. And in the New Testament, you have the word Hades, and it is found in the 10 places in the New Testament. Uh, that's the second one. The third one is Gehenna. Uh, Gehenna is uh, found in 12 places. Now, in the Old Testament period, uh, Gehenna is basically a valley outside of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament period where children were sacrificed to a pagan god. Now, by the time of the New Testament, it was used as a burning trash heap. Um, it was a dump yard. All the time, there'll be smoke, there'll be fire. And uh, our Lord Jesus used this word Gehenna. Uh, you find it uh, in this, all these three gospel writers, they use this word Gehenna 
attributing to it to the Lord Jesus in 522, 29, 30, chapter 10 and so on. So in 12 places, Jesus' brother, James is also in the word Gehenna in John, James chapter 3 and 6. Basically talking about the, um, the burning trash, the dump, waste yard, where there was smoke all the time uh, going up and there was fire. There is another word that is used in the New Testament as uh, Tartarus. Tartarus is the, there's only one place uh, in the New Testament. We come across this word Tartarus. It is a great term for the underworld. It is still deeper. So that is found only in 2 Peter 2, 4. Now, that's the kind of understanding they had. That's the kind it has progressed. And um, in Revelation, you find the word Hades. Uh, our Lord Jesus used the word Gehenna. Uh, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's what we find in Revelation. Uh, our Lord Jesus quite often used the word Gehenna. Uh, there'll be eternal fire. Uh, that's the word our Lord Jesus used. Peter uses the word Tartarus. Uh, it's again a Greek term. That's the only place that's used in 2 Peter 2 and 4. Now, we have already seen in uh, verses 4 to 6, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, there are different kind of uh, different kinds of interpretation. Uh, basically, uh, it's talking about um, you know children of God will not take you know uh, they will be raised in the first resurrection and they will not face the second resurrection. Uh, they, they 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 will not face the second death. There is no second resurrection. They will not face the second death. Children of God and all the martyrs, they'll be raised in the first resurrection and they will reign with Christ for a thousand years. And if I talked about uh, millennium, I said premillennium, uh, postmillennium, and amillennium. Postmillennium is something which uh, nobody is uh, ascribing to it, though there are a few people who still believe in a postmillennium. Most of the Bible scholars, they'll either be premillennium or amillennium. But if you are talking about Revelation chapter 20, it is talking about premillennium, whether we like to accept it or not. If you read the chapter carefully, it's talking about premillennium. The believers and the martyrs will be raised and they will reign with Christ for a thousand years and they will not face the second death. Uh, the second death is for the people who are in Hades, Hades and uh, that will be the final judgment. And when they stand before God, when they'll be thrown into the hell, 
that'll, that'll be their second death. The first death is when we die here. When we die here, our spirit goes to God. And then it is in the first resurrection, we have the glorified body. Uh, that, that's the way we will be able to interact, move in that world without the resurrected body. We had a glimpse of it uh, when we looked at the resurrection of Jesus. So the way John is describing is about a premillennium in the sense there'll be a resurrection, the, all the believers will be raised, the martyred people will be raised, and there'll be a thousand years of peace. Uh, then there'll be that final uh, judgment. Uh, there'll be the second death in that judgment. Uh, it'll be very difficult to say this is what, this is the right view, wrong view. Different people can come with different views, uh, as I explained. Uh, now, I talked about <clears throat> hell. Now, people have different understanding about hell because there are four different terms. I said Sheol, Hades, uh, Gehenna, and Tartarus. Uh, then it's uh, in Revelation, we also see the, you know, it's said as lake of fire. Now, different, I said, Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus often talked about Gehenna, or where there'll be eternally, there'll be fire. That's the way Lord Jesus portrayed uh, Gehenna. Uh, now, different scholars have different views about hell. There are at least four different views about hell. Uh, so the one is uh, for eternity, they will suffer. Uh, their conscience will suffer for eternity. Uh, that is Gehenna, basically. That's, that's the meaning we can get from there. Then uh, the Bible scholars, they also talk about um, annihilation. Annihilation is destruction because it's a lake of fire. When people are thrown into the lake of fire, they'll be just destroyed. That's the way evil will come to an end. That's the way they, they uh, interpret calling it as annihilation. It is not that they will suffer forever and ever, they'll be destroyed totally. That is another interpretation. The third interpretation is, you know, if God can serve, save people in this world, he can also save people in the other world. He's a God who is a loving God. He would not like to see his people burn uh, in hell. So he will... He will save everybody, and that is known as universalism. Uh, hell doesn't exist for eternity. Uh, you know, when everyone is saved, that's purpose is over. God will somehow save everybody. That's that's what they call it as universalism. That's the third view. The fourth view is purgatory view. It is not uh, the way we understand the Roman Catholic view. It is, it is not the Roman Catholic view of purgatory. Purgatory is a place that, uh, you know, when people die, they go there and uh, they will have infinite number of chances to have an encounter with God. They will have infinite number of chances to repent and to be sanctified and ultimately to come to the presence of God. So these are four different views. They are not same. All four are different. Now, all four views 
whether it's right, wrong, we cannot say that. But if you ask me, each one can take their own views. Uh, and you can say, this is what I believe. Uh, but we don't have, there are, there are certain places we don't have clear cut answers, uh, like amillennium, premillennium, postmillennium. No clear, we can never say Bible clearly says this is what will happen. It's not there. We are trying to interpret and we are trying to understand as much as possible. Same way with hell, it is going to be eternal for eternity. They will suffer or it's going to be just annihilation. They'll be destroyed because God, a loving God cannot see these people burning for eternity. So they'll be just destroyed. Evil and sinners will be destroyed in one go. Uh, that is annihilation. The third view is God is a God of love. It is universalism. God will save everybody. Uh, that is universalism. The fourth view is purgatory. Uh, people will, God will give a chance. Uh, each one can, depending on the circumstances or depending on your understanding, you can say that uh, this is the view I would like to hold on to. Uh, but uh, we cannot say this is exactly what the Bible is saying. It's extremely difficult. Um, so I'm I just said there are four different views of hell. Where, when you read hell, people have four different views. You can do more studies and you can come to your own conclusion, which view is right. Not because what I say. I would always go with our Lord Jesus. Uh, I would go with what the Lord Jesus said in the gospel, uh, in the gospels, I would go with Gehenna. Uh, that's the word our Lord Jesus has used frequently. And I would prefer to go with Lord Jesus than any other interpretation. That's my, my preference. Uh, I don't say my preference should be your preference. I have presented four views. You can study and come to your own view. Um, now, uh, here we see that the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hates gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and hates were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Now, what is meant by the sea gave up? Jewish people, they had some idea about resurrection. Their idea was not very clear. They had some inkling that there'll be some kind of resurrection or there'll be some kind of an afterlife. Their idea is not at all clear because if at all you want to find reference about resurrection, you can find in the book of Daniel, book of Isaiah, and a little bit in Psalm. Apart from that, you, we will never find any reference to resurrection in the Old Testament. So they had a very um, flimsy idea about resurrection. It is only when with Jesus, the idea of resurrection becomes very clear. Uh, so the Jewish people always had a concern, what will happen to the people who perished in the sea? 
what will happen to them? Will they also be resurrected? Will they also have that life? Or they will not, they, they were concerned about that. And John probably coming from the Jewish background, he says, the sea gave up the dead. Um, basically, uh, you know, uh, when somebody dies in the sea, uh, you don't have the privilege of giving them a burial. So they had that concern, what's going to happen to people who are, who were, who didn't have the privilege of being buried properly. So John is saying that everybody, whether you are buried properly or you have not been buried, all will stand before the judgment. So John is saying the sea gave up the dead. The manner and the place of dying make no difference. Sometimes people will say, what will happen if somebody dies in a fire accident? What will happen if somebody dies in an accident? So they have so many questions. It doesn't, the, the manner of death and the place of death doesn't matter. As far as the judgment is concerned, all are judged according to what they had done. Uh, that becomes very clear from this verse. The sea gave up the dead. It is not only the sea. It, it includes all the people who were not buried properly and uh, who didn't have that privilege of being buried properly. All will stand before the uh, judgment. Uh, there are only two, um, you know, as far in this book, there are two enemies. One is death and the other one is Hades. Hades is not a friend of man. It is an enemy. So both are personified here. And John says, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's the final enemies. They'll be thrown into the fire. Then you have the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, that's where with the resurrection of Jesus, we say, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Uh, Jesus overcame both this. So John is talking about, it's all, it's what we are going to see in the next two, two chapters is all about, uh, it's like Genesis 1 to 3. It's a recreation. It is a new creation that will take place. And for that, if that has to come again, these two have to be destroyed. Death and Hades were to be, are to be destroyed. And John is saying death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, this is not the first time we are seeing the word death and Hades. If you remember uh, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, we saw, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. And that's what we find it here. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire. So whoever is thrown into the lake of fire, that is their second death. The first death is the death that we face in this world. And whoever is thrown into the lake of fire, that will be their second death. The second death is basically they're separated from the source of life that is God. They will have no access to God. That's what happened in Eden. When Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, they were removed from the Garden of Eden. And that's what will happen uh, for people who don't want God. They will not have a 
privilege of being in the presence of God. Uh, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, in English Bible, we see it as hell. In the Greek Bible, it is Gehenna. Uh, because we are reading uh, in English, everywhere we'll find hell or the realm of the dead. But if we, in, in Greek Bible, it is, uh, it's Gehenna. Uh, again, in Luke 12, uh, 4 to 5, uh, I'll just read the fifth verse, but I'll show you whom you should fear, fearing who after your body has been killed as authority to throw you into Gehenna. This is what Jesus said. To throw you into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Interestingly, Paul did not use the word uh, Gehenna in, or Hades. Interesting. That's quite interesting. So we come to the last verse of this chapter. That's 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, I said in Daniel chapter 7, we find the word river of uh, fire. John has just changed it as uh, lake of fire. Uh, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Remember, the, you know, the Jewish people, if you ask them, who all will be thrown into the lake of fire? Or they will say that all you Gentiles will be thrown into the lake of fire. Their understanding of heaven was only Jewish people will be in heaven. Maybe very few Gentile righteous people will be in heaven. The rest, none. None will be in heaven. That is the Jewish understanding. But with the coming of Christ, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We have got the privilege of entering heaven. But again, as Jewish people in the Old Testament, they said the way to heaven is only being born as a Jewish, uh, in the Jewish uh, blood. Uh, in the New Testament, it is only through Jesus, only through Jesus. There is no other way, no other way. That's what John says uh, in 1 John 2.23, no one who denies the son as the father, whoever acknowledges the son as the father also. So the only way we can be in the presence of God is through Jesus. But the Old Testament and New Testament, it clearly speaks about judgment. All the nations will be called to account. And when God calls people to account, it will be too late to repent. As we heard um, on the Good Friday, this one, today you will be with me in paradise. If you remember the sermon that we heard, that that was the first opportunity and that was the last opportunity for that thief on the cross 
So we should never say that it's tomorrow it will happen. Whenever we have that opportunity, we should repent and get into heaven. That's, the, that's what he says. Uh, now, in Matthew 3.12, is winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff uh, with unquenchable fire. We find in Mark 9, 43, we find that if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter like maimed than with two hands to go into head where the fire never goes out. Uh, basically, it's about Gehenna and Revelation 14, 11, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There'll be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name this is this is i have taken some time because this is the only chapter <coughs> in the new testament uh, though it is very brief as i said uh, we cannot make uh, you know we cannot be very clear this is what john is telling because this is the only chapter I wish we had several other passages from the scripture so that we, we would have been able to, you know, it's plausible for us to interpret this in a better way. But despite its brevity, it's very brief. Uh, this is one of the most impressive dis descriptions of the last judgment that we find in the Bible. Uh, that is Revelation chapter 20. John is not giving a big account, a detailed account, a very brief account, just to say that there's going to be a day of judgment, books will be opened, uh, you know, and John is telling that books will be opened. And that is a very, very important, a critical, a life-giving statement, a motivating statement for all of us, the reason being because there are two books, it matters how we live in this world. If somebody says it doesn't matter how I live in this world, you just don't know your Christian faith. As a Christian, how we live in this world matters because there are two books, book of merit and book of life. It matters. So when John says the books were opened, it is important for us. We can hide from everyone, but not from God. That's the reason what we think, what we speak, what we say, what we do matters. It may not matter to the world, but it matters to God. And that's why our lives are very uh, important. Uh, we understand that we go to heaven, not because of our good works. We go to heaven purely because of God's grace, because of God's goodness, because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's the only way we go to heaven. But the reward in heaven will be given according to our deeds and it matters. Uh, now, because John has described the final judgment, 
Now, in chapter 21 and 21, 22, he's going to talk about the new heaven and new earth. Remember, you, we should always have this in mind. He has uh, talked about the final battle where Satan uh, will be thrown into hell. Death and Hades will be thrown into hell. The chief enemies of humankind will be thrown into hell. Uh, so now, after the all wickedness have been destroyed, death has been destroyed, John is going to describe new heavens and new earth in chapter 21 and 22. Basically, what he's going to say is, God will triumph. That's the message we get in this chapter. God will triumph. Come what may. We might think God is not in control, but God is still in control. We might think our enemies are outnumbered. Right from the first century, the enemies, they always outnumber the believers. Believers were always in minority. The enemies, they outnumber. That's what we uh, see, we saw in Revelation 27 and 8, um, we, you know, how the Satan will deceive all the nations. Um, and then it says in number, they are like the sand on the seashore. In other words, God's enemies in this world uh, are innumerable. But John says, in the end, God will triumph. Victory belongs to God. He will keep his church from being defeated. That's why I said the gates of Hades will not overtake you. He told Peter, I will build my church on you and the gates of Hades will not overwhelm you. So the church will prevail irrespective of the evil powers in the world. We can stand firm against evil even when the battle appears futile. You know, sometimes we think we are fighting a losing battle. It appears like that. But ultimately, victory belongs to the Lord. This does not mean that we can win the war because our enemies are innumerable. Apart from God's help, we can never win this war. Just because I happen to be a Christian, I cannot win the war. It is only when my God is a warrior God, and when he fights for me, I can win the war. God allows the suffering of his people. We don't know the reason, but God allows suffering of his people. In the book of James, it says, you know, you will have trials. You will have all kinds of problems. And being a child of God, you will specially face problems. It could be sickness. It could be, it could be loss of job. It could be destruction, accident. You will suffer. But remember that if you persevere, you know, you will have the crown. That's, that's the um, hope that we all have. Sometimes people say these Christians, they go and they serve, they're fools. 
If only, you know, we hear about so many people who have lived sacrificially, they've given their lives going and serving in a remote corner. And we think, oh, they are just, they have no brain. They just don't know how to live. No, they are the people who really know how to live because they know in the kingdom of God, they will be rewarded. Nothing will go without reward. Uh, so it is important what we do in this world matters. Uh, the heavenly books in this passage, the book of merit, book of life, and book of life, of course, we have done nothing. It is purely God's grace, God's love, that our names are written in the book of life. But what we do matters. If at all we want to have a good account in the book of merit, what we do, how we live matters. And that's what he is telling um, in Revelation chapter 20. Um, I finished Revelation chapter 20 uh, so that we go to the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, we, we may have questions with regard to premillennium, amillennium, postmillennium. And as I told you about hell, Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, and Tartarus, uh, these are all not very, very clear, but I just uh, gave you an overview of different views. Uh, Bible-believing believers have different views. It is good for us to do more studies and try to understand about this. Uh, I have finished chapter 20. If you have any questions, you can ask. Uh, you can unmute yourself and if you have any questions. I'm glad that you have accepted <laughs> all the views. Uh, it's difficult, it's difficult to come to a clear-cut conclusion, this is what will happen uh, because nobody has returned from that world. Uh, so it's difficult. Okay, if you have no questions, then we'll just look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, as we have studied Revelation chapter 20, we do have questions. We do struggle a lot. But Lord, one thing we know that we can come and live with you we can see you face to face because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And today as a community, we want to give you glory, honor, and thanks. Oh God, the way we live in this world matters for you. Teach us to, oh Lord, to live in a way that will bring glory to your name, praise to your name. Help each one of us, oh Lord, with your grace, with your wisdom, with your strength. Bless each, bless each and everyone who has attended this Bible study. We pray, Lord, you will bless us with good health, peace, and joy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the ever-abiding fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.